I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Sunday, May 26th, the greatest spectacle in racing returns. The Indianapolis 500 on NBC and Peacock. 33 of the world's fastest drivers go head-to-head for a chance to kiss the bricks, taste the milk, and claim their place in racing history. Experience the drama, the pageantry, the tradition. Live from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indy 500. Sunday, May 26th on NBC and Peacock. Or listen on Sirius XM NBC Sports Channel. Good morning, good afternoon, depending when you are tuning in into this podcast. Welcome into Bet the Edge. I'm Sarah Froman, of course, joined by Mr. Drew Densick. Thanks for being here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Coming up on today's show, we are just over 48 hours to the NBA draft, and Seth Greenberg is here to help us dive into prospects who he believes could both rise or fall come Thursday night. Plus, our guy Corey Parson jumping on to help us handicap the draft, as well as uh, NFL teams in the AFC. He'd back to make the playoffs this season. And you have to stick around to hear where I'm going for the edge of the day because I am doing something I have never done before, Drew, and that is betting college baseball this season. Oh. Yeah, and a lot more besides our edge of the day right here on Bet the Edge powered by PointsBet. Drew, how was your weekend? It was great. How about that U.S. Open? What a a product they put together. Uh, That was How many people came on last week and said to take Fitzpatrick? That's what I wanted. Oh, yeah. There was a lot. (laughs) He was a a hot pick. Yes, he was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the way that he got it done was was pretty cool, got to say. You know, the drama at the end, Sal Torres, the putt to, to tie and send him to a second consecutive playoff. That looked so good. Off the putter. So good. And yet it missed somehow. Uh, and similarly, Scheffler had a chance to to put it, you know, put put some pressure on Fitzpatrick, couldn't get the last birdie he needed. Um, but yeah, what a what a, an amazing dramatic weekend of uh, golf at the US Open. Oh, well, and then waking up this morning and we could talk live golf for a long yeah. time now with Brooks Cap. Well, see, this is what's so crazy <laughs> is that it feels like we were just entering a time where golf was going to be just outrageously entertaining and fun. Yeah. And this is going to just blow it up and it stinks, honestly. Like, all for first of all, frankly, the product of Live Golf is not good. All of these guys who are going, they are, they're at the, they're kind of teetering on washed, right? Like, they're not competing for majors anymore, frankly. They're going for the bag. That's their right, whatever. Um, but I'm, I am frankly annoyed that in general, this feels like it is going to nuke how entertaining golf has been lately. Yeah, and it's disappointing. And we will for sure talk about it as we continue to bet golf. And eventually people are going to come on and handicap live golf events and we'll be talking about it. But I am 100% agreed with you and seeing Brooks Kepka this morning, I was like, not another one. But more on that momentarily because what's coming up in two days is the NBA draft. And we're so lucky to have Seth Greenberg, of course, from ESPN, joining us now to help us break down not only the draft, but also how we can handicap and maybe make some money off it.
Seth, I will begin just kind of asking you your overall thoughts on the talent this year with the draft, because there's a lot of star players, especially in the one, two, three, a lot of commotion of where these guys will land. So what are your overall thoughts right now as we get ready for Thursday? I think the very top of the draft is interesting to me, but I think when the middle section draft, uh, the depth of the draft, uh, there are a lot of ifs. I think there are a lot of ifs. I think there'll be a lot of tough decisions to be made by uh, general managers and personnel directors because uh, do you make a draft choice or do you get rid of that draft choice and try to get a player that you know is going to be able to stick and help you win games in the NBA? So I think the top, obviously, has been great conversation about is it, you know, is it Holmgren? Is it Smith? Is it Bancaro? Where's Jaden Ivey fit? Who are the risers? You know, is it, you know, Sohan, uh, Malachi Branham, Kendall Brown. I mean, there, you know, there are so many interesting conversations. The top four are interesting to me because, you know, if Ivy drops to Sacramento, do they really need Jaden Ivy? Or are they going to go in another direction? Because then, then they get into the same situation they were just in with Iris Halliburton. You know, they're 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 guard heavy and and basically they're not improving their opportunity to be successful. So I think the draft's gonna be interesting. Uh there is some depth in the middle, but there are a lot of ifs after you get past the first four or five. Like, you know, I just think there are some guys that we're overvaluing because of uh, maybe they're young and their, their prospects, their potential. Uh, I like a little more maturity and a little better understanding of what we're get, what you're getting. Yeah, I think that's a very, very fair take. Um, and realistically, uh, we've been pretty blessed i feel like the last handful of years some really good classes have come through we got a lot of really good young players in the league right now um and the top of this draft does look like true potential all-stars frankly um and it's not an easy decision even though the market has been in general pretty um and even uh, you know even draft experts have been saying stuff that i don't think is right in that the top three are set in stone smith chet Paolo, that doesn't exactly feel right to me. I think there's a lot more uncertainty than that. Um, you know, just in general, who would you go with if you were the Magic in terms of a player with fit and talent? And uh, who do you think they'll ultimately pick? I think it's between Paolo and, and Jabari Smith for them. I don't think Chet Holmgren's going to be in the conversation because it would be another thin, physically under underdeveloped player. You know, they had Mobamba, they had the big kid from Williams from from Florida State. I don't think that I don't think they can take that risk again. Uh, I, I think Chet Holmgren's out of the conversation for Orlando. I think it's going to come down to Bancaro and it's come down to uh, Jabari Smith. I think Jabari Smith's upside is greater than Bancaro. I think Bancaro right now physically, you know, 6'10", 250 pounds, terrific passer, uh, doesn't defend at all, doesn't add to winning on the defensive end, uh, where Jabari Smith, 18 years old, big-time shot maker. I wouldn't call him slender. I'd call him wiry strong. Uh, can play him in ISOs, can play him in short rolls, elite defender. But the only area I think that Paolo Bencaro is is ahead of, of Jabari would be uh, his, he is an elite, elite passer, and physically his body is a grown man's body. But I, I think it's I think it's going to go, if I was a betting man, I would say it's going to be Jabari Smith, it's going to be Holmgren, then it's going to be Bencaro. Jamari Smith is the favorite, but some money's come in on Bancaro now. Bancaro. The number one pick. We've seen his odds shift dramatically over the last few days. He was 14 to 1 to be the number one pick, obviously, to the Magic. Now we're looking at plus 225. So 
people might think that he'll go number one. But I do want to get your thoughts on on Keegan Murray. Right now, his current draft position is five and a half. You talked a little bit about the Sacramento Kings. What do they do? Obviously, a fantastic player coming out of Iowa. Ultimately, where do you think he lands? I would take him at four. That is my gut feel. I, I'm a big Keegan Murray fan. I, I think that if you looked at him, and, and speaking to coaches in, in the Big Ten, uh, like Tom Izzo told me he was the toughest matchup they had uh, in the last five years defensively in league. I mean, so you're talking about wow. an efficient scorer. You're talking about a skilled mm-hmm. player, a guy that, you know, took that huge jump, obviously, from freshman year to sophomore year. He could, you know, everyone talks about a three-level scorer. He's a legitimate three-level scorer. All right, 40% from three, really, really efficient in the post, pretty good passer, excellent defender. You'd like to see him a little more aggressive off the bounce, but he did, he can short roll and pass it well enough. Uh, I, you know, to me, I, I'm big on guys that I know can go get a bucket uh, and are different. You know, it's easy to say Jaden Ivey could go four. Look, is he a mixture of Russell Westbrook and, and, and John Morant? And those are lofty, obviously, comparisons. Yeah. Uh, in the open court, there are some similarities. Uh, not a really committed defender, although I think he could be a good defender. The thing that worried me about Jaden a little bit, at the end of the season, his low release point, it really struggled against St. Pete. He had a hard time getting shots off. Great in the open court. Great passer in the open court. Second speed. Gets to the rim. All different ways to finish a little bit like Ja. I mean, I'd have no problem taking him at four. Uh, I just think you've got to look at fits. I mean, you got to eventually – NBA journey, you gotta, you gotta build a roster and you've got to develop players from your high draft choices. You can't continue to, you know, draft a guy in the first round and trade him away. Yeah. Uh, you got, you know, and you can't do du- recruit duplicate positions because you, you want to get to an eight or nine man roster is basically what you want to do in the NBA. And you gotta have fit guys. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. In fairness to Ivy, the Peacocks were a tough out. Um, but uh, all, all that said. Well, they guarded. Uh, they got up underneath him and, and, and they yeah. bothered him. But again, look, he's, explosive. <laughs> he, he's ridiculously explosive. Uh, yeah. You know, he is an off the ball defensive yeah. nightmare as a coach. Yeah. Like, you yeah. watch him off the ball defensively, he's not, <laughs> not very locked in. Yeah. Is there uh, is there anyone kind of in that middle mix that you think um, is picking up a little bit of steam, rightfully so, or uh, or head scratchingly so that you think we might see in the top 10 and uh, based on fit or uh, or talent? I have three guys I, I really like. I think Malachi Branham is 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 going to be I think he's going to move up because once people can get him, I had a chance to watch Branham practice early in the season. And I went to, I was actually going to see EJ Liddell and and 15 minutes in practice, I grabbed Chris Holtman and said, Chris, that dude right there is, is is special. And it was Branham. And that was before the light bulb went on and he had that run where he averaged, so I think the last 20 mm-hmm. games of the season, he averaged like 17 points and shot 40% from three. I like Matherin a ton. I think Matherin could end up, uh, you know, seven, eight. Uh, Matherin could end up six, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. Uh, I think Matherin and, and Branham are, are, are two risers because uh, they fit. They, those guys fit like I mean, you're big wings. We look, we saw it in the NBA. We, you know, whether it's Jason Tatum, whether it's Kendall Brown, big wings are the future of the NBA. Mm-hmm. So you've got to find multi-skilled, multi-positional guys that could be two-way players. And and Matherin and and Branham literally, you know, fit that mold. I mean, can you? I can see either, either of those guys uh, rolling into a Jalen Brown type role. And then Jeremy Sohan, who I've been high on all along from Baylor. Again, young, didn't shoot it great, but his shooting mechanics are great. 
are not great. They're good. Can really rebound, can really defend, big body, young, experienced. I think he's a guy that's going to rise up and, and, and go a lot earlier uh, than people expect. Uh, that's my gut feeling. I think a guy that's undervalued, though, really undervalued, is Ochai Baji. Another guy that's just going to make shots. All right. You talk about a guy that can play off penetration. He's going to defend. He's athletic. He can get to the rim off of one step. But, but I mean, he's an elite. He's got Ray Allen type quick release. Man, I hope he lands in Cleveland. <laughs> that makes the Cavs that like immediately more yeah. dangerous and would be awesome fit. Yeah. yeah. He'd be a good fit. We'll play it off Darius, who's, you know, developed into an amazing, amazing talent. Just on the flip side, real quick, Seth, I'm curious. We talk about risers, and of course, that's equally exciting or just as exciting. But on the other side, some players that you think their draft stock might fall come Thursday. I don't know if we're going to fall, but I'm not in love with Jalen Duran like everyone else is. Okay. I mean, and he's only 18 years old, but he can't yeah. score. He's a short roll guy that not, not a good enough pass at a short roll. He can play in the dunker spot. He can rim run. He's going to rebound the basketball. I'm not in love with, with those type of guys that, you know, he has soft hands. They don't have really soft hands. I mean, like, what does he do in the new NBA? What does he do that you're going to say, right, he's going to be a starter. He has a chance to be an all-star. He has a chance to be, you know, something really, really special. So I, I'm, not, I'm not as high on him as maybe other people. I know, you know, a lot of people are really, really high on him. That's not, I am high on, on EJ Liddell. I, I do think that he's got a chance to, to do something really, really special. Johnny Davis is, is probably, to me, one of the bigger ifs in the draft because his inability okay. to shoot the three. But I think he's DeMar DeRozan, hmm. and DeMar DeRozan's pretty good. Maybe not as athletic, uh, but, but, but he's pretty good. But the, the Duran one is just is, is almost one of the bigger head scratchers to me. Like, you know, we, obviously, the sharp kid from Kentucky is the biggest if in the, in the draft because no one's seen him really compete. But you know, mm -hmm. if you look at him on paper, he's a freak athlete who can shoot the ball with legitimate size. You know, obviously some guys got it to watch a practice with Kentucky. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a plus or minus, but I would have liked to see him play. And the reason of being it, I think players want to play. I mean, like, you know, like you want, like, hey, I, I, we have a chance to win a national championship. I can help this team. Uh, you know, all, like those type of guys, like they disappoint me. If nothing, if you're in love with the game, if you're lost in the game, uh, like, Going to practice every day, and, and and then the other thing is, I think I think there are some sleepers in like like I, I made a list for for I'm doing uh, the draft for ESPN Radio. I think there's some some sleepers, you know, later in the draft, like I, you know, like second round sleepers that just you know Josh Minot, the kid from from uh, Memphis, is going to be a good player. Dallin Terry from Arizona is a guy that's going to go somewhere in the second round who's going to be a better player that can really pass, can really defend long and athletic. Kennedy Chandler is a, another guy that I think will be – I think he's starting to move up the draft. But he has a little Darius Garland in him. Uh, so those are some guys that just kind of you might want to – Yeah, as we look into getting ready for the second round and, of course, amazing insight for the first round. I know we're going to be uh, placing some bets later on the show and tomorrow as well. Seth, uh, you're a busy guy getting ready for the drafts. We really appreciate the time. And, of course, you can follow Seth – uh, on Twitter at Seth on Hoops and make sure to check out his draft coverage, ESPN, ESPN Radio, uh, as well as the Bald Men on Campus podcast. Great listen <laughs> with Jay Billis, wherever you subscribe and download your pods, you can find it there. Seth, thank you so much again. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 
Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. Hey, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. And today we are offering a special Battle of the Bets contest where you could tail or fade our champion, Johnny Venezia, as he faces challenger Von Belzell for a chance to win. Tail or fade, try to win some money. Lost some money fading Johnny last week, so I learned my lesson. Uh-oh, might need yeah. to uh, tail him today, see what him and Vaughn are on, and then I guess you can make your decisions. That'll I'll be released. Be I'll be tuned in. I will as well. Uh, chance to win $1,000, so make sure to check that out on the Predictor app. We now welcome in Corey Parson, and I'm very excited for this, Corey. Before we get to the NFL, I've loved all that you've said throughout the last couple of weeks as we get ready for the NFL season, but you're an NBA guy and having Seth was really insightful information. So I'm curious, number one overall pick in the NBA draft. What do you think happens? Oh, I think, I think Seth kind of nailed it. I think, you know, the talk about home when, 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 like when prospects in the board first came out and we first saw what was going on, I thought I was a little bit overblown. I think he's more of a project. I think Jabari Smith is, well, I think Jabari Smith is the right guy to go at number one, six ten ton of talent, can play defense, you know. So I think he's a good piece for the Orlando Magic because you're looking at a player who can kind of come in there and be the center of that rebuild in Orlando. I think from the time I seen Smith play this year, I would say that he was one of the two to three best players in the country. So I think Jabari Smith, uh, even though it's the shortest odds on the board, I think he's the rightful guy to be going to the Orlando Magic with that pick. Listen, Orlando could turn it around and, you know, maybe win 30, 30 games next year. You know, you get Jonathan Isaac back, you know what I'm saying? So, hey, they got a shot, you know what I'm saying? We'll see what happens. Or, or they could just be Orlando and just be, like, terrible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It can happen that way, too. It is notable that, like, all the top three guys have all, like, their camps have come out and said, we're trying to steer our guys away from Orlando. Like, the everybody is trying to sneak out the door as opposed to, hey, I'm going to be the number one overall pick. I Like, like it's a weird vibe all around uh, that whole process. And mm -hmm. I guess the only thing that stops me from making a bet on Jabari Smith 
Why in the world did the president of basketball operations come out yesterday for Orlando and beat his chest that nobody knows what we're going to do? Nobody knows what we're going to do. We've kept such a tight lid on our whole process. We're going to shock the world. Well, taking the chalk does not exactly satisfy that promise. Uh, and so, you know, I'm I'm still, um, you know, waiting with bated breath to hear the name Paolo Banchero, number one. Um, but uh, we will I would, see. I would tell you on that, too, Drew. I'm going to put in a play for Banchero to be the top pick of the draft, too, because the play that I saw in the NCAA tournament, I think he was the best player that I saw in the NCAA tournament. So well, there's I, been Steve on Paolo Boncaro time getting ready, and we talked about that with Seth. The amount of money that's come in on him to be the number one overall pick over the last 48 hours has been pretty insane. You could have got a juicy number on him to go to the Magic and be that number one overall yeah. pick. Not looking at that right now. We're showing the line movement over at points that this someone is must know something. Right? Yeah. People obviously think there's some some movement, or maybe it's just what the Magic <laughs> say, and there's a uh, not much else to it. Yeah, it could be anything. Unless you're taking like, the, 20th, the 20th possible pick in the draft, like him saying it's going to be wild, nonetheless. Yeah. That brings us to the number two overall pick, though. Jabari Smith, talk about Holmgren and, and Paulo Boncaro there, and that's the line movement we're showing, Corey. What about the second overall pick? Uh, interesting. It looks like Holmgren is going to be the guy here. Also, take a shot on Bancaro here as well. Now, when you look at the Oklahoma City Thunder, their rebuild is still going to take some time. You know what I'm saying? So they can take on a player like Holmgren, get him up to speed, get him NBA ready. He can go in there. He can play a little defense. You know what I'm saying? Get the minutes and he can develop his offensive game because he's not going to have to be a centerpiece offensively in Oklahoma City. So I think this could be a good landing spot for him to see what the talent brings. And then they're so prospect rich right now with draft picks. And I don't want to say that they can afford a misstep at number two because you never want that to happen because then that could be like Sam Donald. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and yeah, not for real. And, and, and then you'll you, you be right back. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Picking that two yeah. again. Or like so, um, 76ers with Markel Fultz. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, so they have the, the real estate, you know what I mean? So to take on a prospect like Holmgren, I don't see it with Holmgren, you know what I'm saying? But people that's like Seth and basketball dudes that's like really X's and O's and you hit that corner and hit that corner. And those dudes, they they like Holmgren. Me, I'm an eye test guy. And I'm like, what is this? What is this right here? What are we looking at? <laughs> well, I think you're looking at the 195 pounds. So I think if you put yeah, that, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, you'll yeah. see something differently. I wouldn't yeah. mind being 195, Sarah. <laughs> I mean, count me in, in the skeptical camp with Holmgren as well. Yeah. Um, especially because he goes through the draft process. He had an opportunity to make his medical information a little bit more widely understood. Um, yep. And he chose not to. And for those reasons, I think uh, there's red flags in my mind, at least, as how long he, you know, can he put on weight? You know, is he a play, you know, is he capable? Uh, of you know developing the NBA body, he's going to need to go toe to toe with guys who's gonna, he's going to have to guard. And yeah, I mean OKC does fit well, but uh, I got a problem. I got he's got a problem, which is if Paolo goes one and Jabari Smith is there at two, oh he can drop. Yeah, can and drop. Smith is going too. Yeah, if if he is available, I believe sincerely Smith is going to. So it's an interesting little conditional probability there at the top of the board the most difficult player to find a home for because the natural landing spot is a team that apparently is completely uninterested in him is Jalen Ivy. Ivy is pretty clearly the fourth most talented player in this draft, but the Sacramento Kings didn't even bring him in for a workout. 
And now we got a lot of reports out there that the Kings are just head over heels for Keegan Murray, and they're going to hold on to that pick, not trade it. What do we do with this information, and where does Jalen Ivey ultimately end up playing basketball? See, this is so interesting because I, I think this can be – this is obviously going to be a big, big moment in this draft when we get to this pick right here. And that's mainly because, like you mentioned, you have the situation with the Sacramento Kings who, from what I'm hearing, you know what I'm saying, is like they like Keegan Murray. They're not yeah. even checking for Jalen Ivey. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And trading out of this spot right here is something that was once on their mind. Now, like you said, we're hearing less and less Drew of them trading out of this pick. Now, listen, I, 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 man, it's hard for me to think that somebody's not going to come up and get Ivy and that somebody can be the team with the fifth pick, the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. Because if you put Ivy on the Pistons with Cade Cunningham, Stewart, Good Sadiq Bay, and, you know, mm-hmm. Dwayne Casey's the head coach, now I think you got a team that's going to be in that 8, 9, 10 area in the Eastern Conference, you know what I'm saying, with health and good coaching and stuff like that. Because I think Ivy is 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 a, Ivy is a playmaker. You know what I'm saying? So it's so interesting. I would actually take I would actually take the under on the four and a half on Ivy. So I I, I think he's going to end up, you know, uh being in that spot. And I think somebody's going to come up there and get him. Interesting to see who that is. You know what I'm saying? Because I think Murray can be there. Like I said, if they if they swap spots the Kings and the Pistons, Murray will still be there for them. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good look. And the plus 225 to be the number five, fifth overall pick, rather, is, is strictly because of that. I think a lot of people have started to believe that teams are going to move up and try to get Jaden Ivey. So right now his draft position, four and a half and 64% of the handle. And sounds like what you like as well, Corey, coming in on that four and a half for Jaden Ivey. Incredible player. A lot of people I know and Seth did kind of as well, uh, things I've read, comparing him to your guy, John Morant. So we'll see yeah. where Jaden Ivey ends he up. reminds me of John on the court, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what Poison Ivy has. He's a good basketball <laughs> player. I'm excited to see him in the NBA. I'll tell you what, though. At minus 350, under four and a half, you are threading a needle. I mean, oh, that yeah. is – that is a real narrow. There is only. I don't think I've ever made three fifty ruin your night. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. <laughs> that can ruin your night. I don't think I've ever laid three fifty for any bet. Not in the NBA alone, draft. In let the alone draft. an NBA draft. In the NFL draft, I don't mind laying a big number in the NFL draft. In the NBA draft, I'm not. I'm not ready to do that yet. Okay, so let's stay away from that and maybe find a different way to attack where Jaden Ivey falls. But I I do want to get into the NFL, and tomorrow on on Bet the Edge Game Time, we'll continue breaking down the draft and our picks. But for now, we've gone over um, every single week here with you, Corey, over the last couple of weeks with some NFL future bets that we like and ways to get involved. And right now, the make-miss playoff prices, um, both in the AFC and NFC, intrigue me. But I know there's a few that you really like. So what are some of the teams right now that you think it's a good time to target in the futures market to make-miss the playoffs? Um, I, I don't want to um, underestimate that I think that the 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 AFC South is a top-heavy division that's going to take two teams to the playoffs, and obviously the teams being the Colts and the Tennessee Titans. I think that the last thing people saw the Tennessee Titans last season were you know that bad playoff loss to the Bengals and Ryan Tannehill throwing interceptions, but the Tennessee Titans, for my money, were the best team in the league throughout the course of the regular season, pound for pound last year. Now, we know what the Indianapolis Colts are. They have been trying to fix their quarterback situation. Phil Rivers got him to the playoffs. He, you know, old man, he had to roll out. 
And then the Carson Wentz thing last year was disastrous. I can't wait. This, uh, what week are Washington Commander fans going to be like, yo, this guy sucks. You know what I'm saying? So that's coming at some point. So you move on from that. But now you bring in Matt Ryan. Yeah, he's on the back end of his career. But you know what? Matt Ryan dumping the ball off to Jonathan Taylor, that offensive line, Michael Pittman getting a little better, Darius Leonard, the way they play defense. I think the Colts are a short thing to be a playoff team in the AFC. And I think the Tennessee Titans are as well. I like the Colts to win the division. They also, both of these teams have the, you know, they have the soft landing spot of playing against the NFC East this year, which, you know, you know, the Cowboys, you can beat them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can also obviously beat up on Philadelphia, the Giants and the Commanders. So you take that with the with the in the two the two bad teams in their division. Um so I look at the Colts and the Titans as AFC teams that I do like to make the playoffs this year. Now the way Points Bet has it, Points Bet actually has eight teams with minus odds to make the playoffs. Hmm. Only seven can go. So one of those teams ain't gonna make it. So basically I'm trying to figure out who that team's not going to be. Mm. Well, the over-under for how many weeks into the season until Commander Commanders fans are complaining about Wentz is one and a half weeks. Yeah, I think um, I would agree with that. <laughs> and honestly, like like you said, you know, the Titans and the Colts presumably get to play Carson Wentz unless mm-hmm. he gets benched, um, which is entirely possible. Uh, how about some teams that you don't think will live up to the hype, as you were just teasing there? Anyone that uh, is in the AFC that you think uh, expectations are too high? Man, people really like the Chargers this year. And listen, I understand it too. They added some pieces in the offseason. It's always one of those teams that's super duper talented. You know what I'm saying? And everybody's favorite quarterback is Justin Herbert. Yo, I was looking at some high stakes fantasy drafts the other day. Justin Herbert is going off fantasy boards in high stakes leagues as QB 1 1. Like people are really expecting him to have a monster season. He's one of the most highly bet guys uh, in the MVP race. I love Herbert. He's a great football player, a good, a good young quarterback. But now let's just go down and just look at – let's not even count the 49ers, right? The Chargers season ends with the Chiefs on the road to the Cardinals, on the road to the Raiders, back home for the Dolphins, Titans, at Indianapolis, the Rams, and the Broncos. How is this team supposed to win 10, 11 games this year? I think that the Los Angeles Chargers are a team that I would think – would just miss the playoffs. So I know we all have all this love for Justin Herbert, but I'm looking at the Chargers like, hmm, this might be the odd team out right here. Also, another favorite, the Denver Broncos. You look at them and how tough their schedule is. Same thing, Chargers and the Broncos, basically the same. Oh, if we get a quarterback, we got it. Well, all right, well, now Broncos, you got a quarterback, but you got other issues too. You know what I'm saying? So schedule very tough for this team with the Broncos doing this the first time like this new head coach and everything. So I look at the Broncos and the Chargers as two teams that I think, you know what, they could be on the outside looking in in the AFC playoffs because I know my man Mac Jones and the New England Patriots going to be there. It's kind of tough. You know, I understand what you're saying, but for me, I'm kind of on the other side where I like the Chargers, maybe not. I, I kind of side with you on the Broncos, though. New quarterback, I'll be curious to see what happens, obviously. I'm a big fan of Russ, but unsure just because we talk about on this show that these teams beat each other up in the same division, and it's a yeah. little tough. But I'm not going to sell the Chargers just yet. I don't know how you feel, Drew, but the AFC West is definitely difficult. They play the NFC West this year, AFC mm-hmm. West, yep. and the AFC North. Drew, any thoughts on the Chargers? I want to like them, <laughs> but – 
boy, oh boy, do they feel cursed. <laughs> yeah, for that's true too. I forgot about that part. I mean, uh, here's the thing: like they lot they they had a lot of coin flip decisions go against them last year. Very much so. If some of them go for them this year, then that's a 10-11 win team. So, what do you think about the head coach and his tendencies to go for it on fourth and thirteen on the thirteen? It's high volatility. Uh huh. If it works, it's going to be extra wins for them. If it doesn't, they're going to be right back where they were last year, playing, oh, trying to play their way into a wild card spot. Here's the thing. Was they doing that because of how poor their defense was last year? Or is that going to be something that's going to be a philosophy even if the yeah. defense does get better? It sounds like this is DNA. Yes. Yeah, well, that's tough right there. Philosophy. philosophy. High volatility team. Possibly analytic driven. We'll yeah. see. I like the Chargers. Um, not necessarily my favorite team, but we have seen Justin Herbert, to your point, in high stakes and now we talk about the MVP race and QB's QB one as we get ready for the fantasy see, NFL. Yeah, I worry about the analytic thing because like Mike McCarthy, when you asked Mike McCarthy last year why he ran Dak on that play in the playoffs, he was like, Oh, that's what the analytics said. Like I know the analytics guys like, whoa, 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 leave me out of this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like these analytic guys be like, yo. They be taking the blame for stuff that's really not their doing. You know what I'm saying? Fair enough. Yeah, might be a way to look at that as well. But hey, Corey, we we appreciate your insight, obviously, as we get ready for the NFL season. But the NBA draft, best of luck with those picks as well. And Corey's on Twitter at the Fantasy Exec. You can read his NFL handicap there at NBCSportsEdge.com. Corey, have a good rest of your Tuesday. All right, y'all have a good one, too. Enjoy, everybody. Have a good all. Uh, enjoy the draft this week. And, and let's get on. Um, enjoy the Stanley Cup. And, you know, the offseason is almost upon us. Wise words from the exec on ice, better known as that, as we continue talking about the Stanley Cup. Hey, weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Mets take on the Marlins in Miami on Sunday, June 26th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. Enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. 25 grand on the line. Get involved. Marlins Mets on NBC this Sunday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, but I love the coverage and I will be watching. I mentioned my edge of the day is going to be something different because there's not much going on for me to bet on today, but I want to begin with yours, your favorite pick on this Tuesday. What are you thinking? So we're heading out to the seaside. The uh, vacation destination for those who live in London is Eastbourne. Um, and it's a funny tournament because if you watch it on TV, if you listen to it on the radio, there's seagulls. All the whole damn tournament is seagulls. <laughs> it is. It is a unique. This is this is a unique stop on the tennis tours. Okay. Uh, listening to the seagulls at the seaside in Eastbourne. <laughs> it's a grass tournament, and I'm going to back a player who has pedigree on grass. A young woman named Harriet Dart. She is from the UK, and uh, she had a promising, promising young career. Kind of come crashing down based on a brutal injury uh, at Wimbledon and a slip and fall back in 2018. She has regained some form, though, and been a very, very tactically strong grass player this season. And she is taking on current world number 23, Jill Teichman, who really has not ever shown us much on grass throughout her career. Uh, Very unimpressive uh, performance last week as a favorite in Berlin. That was her only grass experience this season. She loses in three Uh, over the balance of her career. She is one in five on grass. So why she is a favorite against Harriet Dart, who has grass quality, is beyond me. Harriet Dart on the money line as a dog is my edge of the day. Okay. For those of you that... 
never knew of Eastbourne International happening on the WTA. Now's your time to get involved, including myself. I tail you with Dart Plus 103. And enjoy today. the seagulls. And enjoy the seagulls. <laughs> and that's also why I'll be listening. Not because I'll eventually have money on this tailing you, but also because I want to hear the seagulls in the background, which will drive me crazy, and I'll turn it off and hopefully I'll win. Okay. Drew, it's time for me to bet some college baseball because nothing else was going on today that interested me. So, Notre Dame. Big game coming up at 2 p.m. I've been hearing about it in my household for the last day or two. And they have <laughs> Did some research this morning. I'm taking Notre Dame on the run line at plus 120. Ooh. I also lean under 14 and a half runs, but to be completely honest, I don't have a model for this game. I don't feel confident enough, but my research from what I've done with all hands on deck, kind of reading what I can via Twitter, some of their beat reporters leads me to believe that Notre Dame favored makes sense, but I don't like the minus 145, minus 150. I like them to win by two runs. And they've also been really good against the run line. They're six and two since the regionals and they've covered the run line in four of those games, but they're their, their pitching staff is really why I like this game. Regardless who starts for Texas A&M, it's going to be a quick leash for either side. And if you look at what Notre Dame's pitching has done, in particular their defense, it's been fantastic. And the main reason is a guy named Jack Finley who's going to be available today. He's a true freshman and he is fantastic. I've got to see him over the last couple of weeks just on TV. In the NCAA tournament, 12.2 innings, uh, a win, four saves, 14 Ks. He can go a few innings if they need today, and that's probably what they are going to to advance and play Oklahoma yet again. So better beat defense, better pitching. They got the luck of the Irish. I'll take the run line. Notre Dame, plus Bang. 120. Yeah. I mean, they're single-handedly going to kill every SEC team. This is this is what this it started is, with Tennessee, and they're just going to continue. But Florida's not involved, boom. so I don't care. Boom. Boom. Yeah, it's just Notre Dame over the SEC in the College World Series, as, as far as I could tell you. And uh, you know what's fun? Uh, you made a nice plus EV play on the run line because with a total of 14 and a half, that run, not that not worth anything. So you might as well just take the extra juice, put it in your pocket. That's that's for you. Um, so that was a very, very shrewd uh, way to attack that one. And uh, I think uh, in general, Notre Dame, they have the karma right now. Yeah, karma, better pitching. They got the vibes. We'll take the Irish. I woke up this morning. I said, Guyrish. Go Irish. Yeah. Let's get it. Okay. <laughs> tennis, college baseball. Well, for you, you always bet tennis. First time for me. We're wishing everyone with the best of luck on their plays here. Thanks for being with us on Bet the Edge on this Tuesday on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll be back here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel, but that's at 6 p.m. for Bet the Edge game time with myself and Drew. Like I said, best of luck with all your bets. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you guys right back here tomorrow.